Hello, this is Peter Curran welcoming you to the kitchen table of Jonathan Green in historical Clerkenwell. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be wandering through the lexicographical undergrowth. He's written some fabulous dictionaries of slang, and we'll be finding some, let's say, not for the faint-hearted pieces of language and slang. It's gloriously entertaining, though, so if you are easily offended, then why not risk it and have a wee listen? Uh, but don't tell us that we didn't warn you. Jonathan, how are you? Um, depressingly sober. Well, I can see something in front of us that might uh, put pay to terrible, lonely acres of sobriety, Jonathan. Should, should, we, should we have a little, just to sort well, of I, ease I, us into things? If you weren't going to offer, I was going to ask. Indeed. Thank you. There you go. Oh, lovely. I'll keep it relatively. As soon as you start looking at slang, day one, page one, tape one, whatever it might be, you come across liquor. You come across alcohol, you come across drunkards, you come across drinking. You can be floored, cup shot, pot shot, pot sick, scammered, chucked, clinched, shot in the neck, clobbered, crocked, croco, swacked, swacko, squashed, embalmed, laid out, snockered, snookered, wasted, wasocked and wazooed. And for our purposes, we'll go back to being drunk. And what you get is the word booze. It's spelt bows, but who's arguing? I mean, we're in 1532, we're sitting in the tavern, we're having our can, I think they were called, of, of, which had pegs in it to show how far you'd drunk. And you're sitting there, and across the way is the Harmon Beck, which means literally the, the beak of the magistrate, and he's the local copper. And you don't want him to know that what you're drinking is your can of beer, so you're talking about Ben Bowes, and Ben Bowes is good beer. And on that day in 1532, and many days, I'm sure, before it, that language, which is the villain's language, uses not drink, not alcohol, not liquor, but booze. And where does Bowes come from? Buizen, I believe. It comes from, it's, it's a Dutch word. Oh, I, I think it means to drink. Close to Boisson and the French as well, I guess. Ooh. Yeah, get me. Deep etymology. <laughs> You may well be right. But, I mean, booze is there from day one. And there's probably around, I don't know, three, 4,000 words relating to drunkards, to, to drink, or what I want to talk about now, which is being drunk. And it, it, being drunk has various images. For instance, there's the whole as a, drunk as a. Drunk as a brewer's fart. Drunk as a fiddler. Drunk as a fiddler's bitch. Drunk as a newt, drunk as a rat, drunk as a pig, drunk as a poet. You get where I'm going? You can mm. be drunk as pretty anything. Um, Australia are very good. In Australia, you're not drunk, you're full. Well, you're all sorts of things, but you're full, basically. For instance, you're full as a seaside shithouse on Boxing Day. <laughs> now, you must remember that Boxing Day, Boxing Day is December in Australia. I like to give some of the deep background. Um, Boxing Day is, is on a... So, I didn't even know they had Boxing Day in Australia, but that's another story. I believe there's and a few it, Christians. So the sun there. is out. The sun is out, is what I'm trying to say. That's why the, sea, the, the lavatory by the seaside is full. Um, also, you can be as drunk as... Um, you can be... I'm beginning to think this grapper's taking effect... Um, we have also the pig's ear, which you can be as full as. I don't understand that. The state school hat rack, the family poe, and two race trains. Australia is one of the great founts of slang, and I would like to think that little selection has proved mm. it. Um, in America, you're lit. 
So you're lit to the gills, you're lit up like Broadway, you're lit up like a Christmas tree, like Main Street or Times Square. It's all so much more positive, isn't it? Not this sordid, seaside, defecatory stuff. It's just America, positive, optimistic, so on. Um, Trouble with getting drunk is you sort of lose your grip on things. You lose your grip on reality, basically. Um, apart from stay with us apart from yes I'll stay with you I mean so you, if you go right back you can be concerned you can be having a piece of bread and cheese in your head um, <laughs> come on we're 1600 here we're 1600 it's all, it's all folksy in country and people have lutes and so on um, then when you go into the 18th century awry muddled bemused dizzy fuddled jiggered muzzy um, and on it goes I mean they, 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 they sound a little bit more um, benign, those words, you know, muzzy and stuff. It, it's a sort of softer approach to, to drunkenness linguistically. We've gone backwards. Well, that doesn't really last because, in fact, if, I mean, if you, yeah, there, are, there is indeed a, soft, a softness about those words. But at the same time, we also have the role of violence, not violence between two people hitting each other, although that may come into it. But if I can, again, I have to do lists here because there are about 1,200 words. There's jug-bitten, hit on, hit on the head by the tavern bitch, which may or may not be a human, bitten by a barn mouse. And basically you can be basted, belted, blasted, blitzed, boiled, bombed, fractured, fried, hammered, shellacked, totaled, trashed, twisted, wrecked, sloshed, smashed, shattered, croaked, crooked, damaged, done over, overshot and dead. And if you're not satisfied with that lot... Is it worthwhile getting drunk when you have so many labels fired at you then as a that result is of such, it? That is such a, a tiny subset. Mm. I mean, there are more sort of... I, I quite like the, the ones that are a little more... You know, the army came up with walking on your cap badge, which I don't wholly understand, but presumably you were arse over tit in some way or another and your cap badge was now down on the floor. You could be down with barrel fever. You could get the, bar- the gravel rash when you stumbled along the road. Um, you could be watching the ant races, which I would stress is not the same as watching the submarine races, which we won't go into. You could be lapping the gutter. Why will we not go into it? It's coarse. It's coarse. It's some American campus obscenity, I can't remember. His, you can have your arse on backwards, which I rather like. That's a terrific one, yeah. And, and on it goes. I mean, I, I, I haven't run out of them, but it's just, where do you stop? It's, it's just so... It's very interesting. Why is it that, that in, in, in standard English, drunk, that's where we stop? Oh, tipsy. Drunk, tipsy, drunk. I mean, that's exciting as a vocabulary, isn't it? Mm. You know, these lexicographers spend their entire life drunk, tipsy. What have I got? I've got 1,200. <laughs> <laughs> and there's more. I mean, the thing is... Is, get, is there a golden period or a favourite period of yours then? Uh, where they really... Um, they're all my babies. They're all my babies. No, there's no, there is none. Take the crap away from them there, will you? What, what is the difference? <laughs> now, I, trust me, I'm as bad on drunk when I'm sober. Um... It's, you know, there's, there seems to be, you know, the, the concept of not being able to find your ass with both hands and not see through a ladder and not, not to be able to stand up without, I can't remember, hanging on in some way, um, having a guest in the attic, can't hit the ground with your hat, all that kind of stuff, can't say naval intelligencer, which I just said. Um, they're all from different periods of slang. And to me, there's no qualitative difference between them. They're just all quite delightful. 
But, but what about the, in the early period of, of drunkenness? Was it seen? Um, I mean, now people are quite censorious, you know, rather than celebratory about about being drunk in terms of uh, its kind of public perception. I mean, was there a period where slang reflected a kind of glorious abandon of, of I drunkenness? I don't think there was, there was anything remotely critical to go back to booze in the right. 16th century. Booze was a word you used. Why you had to hide this from the magistrate's man is another story. But it was, and I don't know the answer to it, because it's, after all, what is, I mean, they also had words like panam for bread. I mean, the, this was part of the, 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 the criminal's language and it didn't just deal with stealing stuff or killing people or hitting people or prison or whatever it did did have these very basic things like eating and drinking and being drunk and and why you had to hide that but it was it was a parallel language but there's no there's no yeah there's no critique in it i mean perhaps the booze wasn't particularly ben it wasn't as good as you wanted i mean it might be thin booze and there are words for that and so on and so forth but but no i don't i mean you know, I mean, England, on, on, load, on the whole, the UK is always, or, the U, or England in particular, in its you know, Merry England days, and if the 16th century isn't Merry England, I don't know what it is, um, celebrates being, you know, three sheets short of whatever, <laughs> nine sheets, ten sheets, whatever it might be. I mean, th- that's another whole subset, and again, it's, it's too long to develop, develop, and I don't have a list for it, but things that come from the Navy, three okay. sheets in the wind being the first one, and, and there's lots like that. But as I say, can't say naval intelligence, which I can still say. Wonderful. I mean, is there, uh, I know each week we're doing a, a kind of hero of slang. Who, who fits in snugly with drink? Well, where do you, I mean, well, you know, the lushes, the pissheads, the whatever. I mean, which one do you go for? I've chosen, very briefly, Nelson Aldrin. Nelson Aldrin is, is, is the man best known. He was a Chicago writer, best known for a book called The Man with the Golden Arm, which people may remember as, as, as a, sort of probably on the after, afternoon TV these days. I think it was black and white. Otto Preminger, Frank Sinatra as The Man with the Golden Arm. He's a junkie. His life falls apart. I imagine in the movie, which I haven't seen for years, it all ends happily. The book does not end happily. But Aldrin himself... And what, this was 1949, he won prizes, you know, he was incredibly well thought of. He was having an affair with the great feminist Simone de Beauvoir, nearly, nearly persuaded her to leave, leave Paris where she was with um, Sartre, Sartre. Yep, yeah. with Sartre, and make her way to Chicago. But de Beauvoir wasn't being persuaded either way, obviously preferred the left bank and the Chitane and all the rest of it. And, but he got into drink. It's a disgusting story. It ended up writing for Playboy. And knowing what you get for writing for Playboy, um, I'm not so sympathetic towards him. But he has, he, he's good. I mean, he, he says, you know, what's the point of writing about people who've won all the prizes? There's no story. Why write about happiness? You know, he's Mr. Cheery. You know, obviously, he spent most of his time looking through you know, at the bottom of a, a glass, a glass, by the way, that was always half empty. And um, you know, there's no, no conflict there. There's nothing, no catalyst for discovering anything about humanity. I want to write about an America that exists behind the billboards, beyond the comic strips. And if you've got and a thinker, a thinker who wants to think justly must keep in touch with those who never think at all. And he wrote about the very poor. But the very poor um, have, as they always do in, in these situations, community leaders. Community leaders were constantly wanting to have his books banned, so it was... Oh, really? Because they, oh, yeah. they were in the position of moving up from that they position? Gave, yeah. They gave the people about whom he wrote, who were primarily Polish. He was Jewish, but not to notice. 
He certainly didn't subscribe to it in any way. And, and there, are, there are Jews in the books, but mainly he talks about its poles in the poor area of what's called the Polonia, or was called the Polonia Triangle in Chicago. And they actually wanted to name that, I believe, something like the Algren Triangle. Locals said, no way, we don't want that appalling man's name ever to come into our city again. And, and he, you know, it's, it's very sad. And, and I, I, went, I looked at some photos of him one time, and the first one is this wonderful, he's a writer, he's in there, he's got a fag on, he's got a bottle of gin, or possibly even grabber. What sort um, of date are we talking about, roughly? This would be when he was winning the prizes, when he was Mr. Big. He's handsome, he's very, he's lean, and so on and so forth. And you can see why de Beauvoir might have fancied him and lots of other women besides. Was this in the 50s? This, is about the, this would be the late 40s and then you've got this picture which would be towards the end of his life probably I think we lived into the 80s and he's like in a police he's, it's a police roundup a police, you know, when, they, when they put them up to, to, and, and, and on, on, for everybody to look at I can't remember, roundup's not the right word sort of mugshot? No yeah it's, no, no, actually, no. it's a mugshot but it's actually what's ironic is one of his most storied and famous pieces is about the evening court when everybody has to come up and the captain looks at them and pronounces upon them and takes them apart with wonderful vituperative language and then says, next. Oh, is this and, kind of a summary for the judge? Yeah, yeah, what yeah, done? yeah. And they just, they all parade by and the lights are on them and the witnesses are there, you know, did he rape you, did he mug you, did he kill you, you know, whatever it might be. Anyway, but this is a picture of him who's become one of his stories and he does not look a happy bunny. And he was not a happy bunny and he was a very drunken bunny, sadly. <laughs> He was an amazing writer. I mean, one of those who I think I would imagine has pretty much slipped from most memories. And, of course, he's a hero of slang, because not, because, not simply because he uses a lot, but because he evokes the world in which slang is used, which is, which is not quite the same. Uh, and with something which uh, the, the beat writers didn't quite manage to do because they were slightly at one remove from the uh, the Demi Monde that they, they were so drawn to. Oh, come on, man. No. It's so heavy. That's <laughs> right, I'm leaving. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Don't forget to visit uh, the fabulous Green's Dictionary of Slang website at greensdictofslang.com where you can find loads of uh, definitions, derivations, citations and as much lexicographical information as you would care for. And you can follow Jonathan on Twitter at Mr. Slang. Please let us know what you thought of the show, um, if you're that way inclined. Everyone wants to know what you think, so why not let us? I've been Peter Curran with the producer sat over there with all due silence and appropriate disapproval, Mr. Matt Hall. Speak to you soon.